Hey, so, one, why are you in my house? You invited me over. I don't know. I, if I rem- remember correctly, you asked to come over. Actually, that is accurate. <laughs> but it was only just so that we could have a better quality podcast. It's it's true. It's true. And and really, if it was going to happen, it, it was either going to happen here or Madison Square Garden. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Poor Knicks fans. <laughs> All right, welcome to The Lake Show. I'm Anton Irwin. I'm joined, as always, by Harrison Fagan. Uh, today's show is going to be broken up into a few different spots. We're going to intro it by talking about Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers win against Miami, LeBron James just <laughs> randomly taking a sledgehammer to the New York Knicks. That was not something that I expected from tonight. <laughs> Poor just guy. like just like post game, just Knicks fans catching strays. <laughs> just like sitting there, you're, you're just like a Knicks fan. You're up way later than you should be. It's what one o'clock in the morning over there, right? You're now? like, oh well, at least like uh, I can just go to bed now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just you know, like LeBron just takes a ball and just throws it right at you, like <laughs> yeah. you're Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, and it straight just, in the Olynyk. Yeah, get it? Just, Do you yeah. get it? Yeah, the Olynyk, like in a Knicks. Oh, region. like Knicks fan. That was yeah. Not your best, but... <laughs> I don't have a best. Um, so that's what we're going to start on. We're going to talk about Kyle Kuzma and whether or not he can make an all-star game. Uh, he's played really freaking well lately, and it's yeah. not just scoring. And it's he's living up to his words, right? So, so that's where we're going to start. And then uh, we're going to throw to the conversations I had last Friday with Allie Clifton. We talked about her watching LeBron kind of take on L.A., um, and how he's handled that and what she's thought about. One of the interesting topics that we talked about there was patience as a goal. Something that he's actually like really working towards is having patience with these guys. Uh, so that was interesting, and she offers a lot of context there. Uh, I then talked to Mike Bresnahan, also a Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, we talked about new media and, and journalism and blogging kind of crossing over and then how he would have covered LeBron James. Uh, that was also fun. And then we're going to finish with a slightly longer conversation that we had with Geeter. Uh, Chris McGee, also of Spectrum Sportsnet, we told him we were going to talk to now, him. Now, why was that the only one that I was included on? Just like you want to share for share for the listeners? or They don't like you. Is okay. It? Oh, is that it? Yeah. They That's were like, it? Yeah. It's not that you forgot to record it? Uh, Drove all the way to Spectrum Sportsnet Studios and just didn't record. All right, can I be can I be honest? Hey, you got so, you got what you got you got four out of five. You recorded them, so so no. So this is how and and look one. Thank you very much, Stacy. I had a blast talking to all these, but it was literally they said the guest number one would sit down for six minutes. They get up and immediately the next person sits down and I had six minutes basically starting when they sat down. So I had to transfer these audio files onto my desktop while I'm trying to get these guys set up for, for an interview. And yeah, I recorded over. Oh, that must've been a really hard day of reporting for you. I can't imagine that anyone could have been reporting on something harder than that that day. And look, man, I, I have a tough job. Yeah, you do. I, <laughs> I do not. I most definitely do not have a tough job. I'm going to wake up tomorrow at like nine 30 in the morning. Um, so that's what, that's how that's going to go. And then, and then Harrison will, will jump, we'll, we'll jump on there at the very end and, and we'll see what we talk about there. But let's start though with Lonzo Ball, not Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. Well, 
All right, we'll start with Kyle Kuzma, but I do want to talk about Lonzo Ball's finishing. We, you and I were talking about that yeah. a lot throughout the game. But Kyle Kuzma finishes the game a plus 16, first and foremost, which, which I thought was impressive. Uh, he finishes with 33 points on 22 attempts, uh, 3 of 7 from 3-point range. And again, you know, he, he finished with only one assist, but it's about an understanding of how to move the ball, uh, how he can be a creator. He made he had a couple hockey assists, and then he continues to impress on the defensive side. Uh, what would it take from from him to make an All Star game? Do you think is it well, possible? It would. So I don't know that it's possible. Like I, I mean, I guess it's not impossible yet. It's too early. So this was going to be part of my possible. It's this was going to be part of my point mm-hmm. was that it, we judge these guys way too quickly. Sometimes mm-hmm. this is actually something that I was talking with Pete about the other night. I, I think. Like, in our rush, like, everyone wants to know what a young player is going to be right now. Like, right this second, they want to know. And, like, so we pretend like we can have any idea of what type of player a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old or whatever is going to be 10 games into their rookie season or 20 games in. Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, we act like we have this definitive knowledge and sample size, and we just don't. And we also, I mean, sometimes there's too far to the other end where people are like, oh, well, this guy, he doesn't know how to pass, play defense, like, uh, he, he has horrible basketball IQ, but he'll develop those things. He's 19. Yeah. And, like, the, you know, the, the secret is, I can tell you from managing a student newsroom, is that a lot of 19-year-olds are... Uh, <laughs> finished projects? Unfinished projects. <laughs> but Or finished products. Or they yeah. just, they are not... Um, they don't actually grow. Yeah, they don't grow. They're I didn't to, grow. They can I be hard-headed <laughs> sometimes. And so... I think most people could probably guess what I was going to say there. Yeah. Um, So thank you for saving me from that. But, and then so I think, but like the opposite direction of that is what we've done with Kuzma after his rookie year where we were like, oh, he's 20, what was he, 22, 23? Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, he's old, you know? 22-year-olds, they never learn anything. Right. I mean... 22-year-old is, like, that's still pretty young. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we forget that these guys don't hit their primes. And my, I'm including myself in this. I'm using the royal we mm-hmm. because, like, I, my analysis of Kuzma was off. And I fell prey to too much of that stuff, mm-hmm. and I think. And I think there's a chance that he can exceed those expectations. Because, like, we forget most of these guys don't hit their prime until they're 26 to 28, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. It, he's still pretty young. And, like, yes, last year he was a black hole that scored relatively efficiently, But that was it. And he didn't play defense. He didn't really pass. He didn't show particularly great instincts outside of scoring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I think that we kind of shoehorned him in as, like, he's just a scorer. And maybe he is just that. We don't know. Like, four, five he games could always does not outweigh everything that he's done to this right. point. But it also shows that, hey, maybe he could be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we have to kind of open our minds to that a little bit. That, that, like, some of these guys might make improvements that we aren't necessarily expecting. And some of them may not improve in the way that we assume. So I think that Kuzma, absolutely, if he keeps up playing like this, could end up being an all-star one day. He's going to get the Los Angeles bump as he continues to grow. He already got it last year. I think last absolutely. year he almost got, like, he was one of the highest fan vote getters. Mm-hmm. And that was as a rookie when he wasn't this good and on a team with LeBron James where a lot more Lakers fans care. So yeah. I, I think he could make an all-star game one day, but I think it's just more important to note how much progress he's made as a player. Like, we've had separate videos from Laker Film Room in the past week, how Kuzma has improved on defense and how Kuzma has improved his passing. Yeah, and so, like, you know, I'm assuming next we're going to get, like, how Kyle Kuzma has improved, like, 
I don't know. What's left for him to improve? As a leader? Like, yeah. Do you think he'll pull LeBron aside and be like, no, man, you got to. Let me take you under my <laughs> wing and teach you a few things. <laughs> no, that would be regression <laughs> to being, like, way too confident. Uh, I want to. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in regards to what we expect of young guys. We expect growth to be linear. If somebody comes into the league, you think everybody is A, going to improve, and B, improve at the same kind of trajectory based on their age, right? And I think when it comes to Kuzma, he just randomly – like I can't can't exaggerate this. He just randomly started playing defense really well. I I mean some of that credit to Luke a little bit. I mean obviously mostly credit to Kuzma for locking in, but credit to Luke and the Lakers coaching staff for putting him in a little bit better position. Mm -hmm. They figured out he's better chasing guys off screens. I mean there are some very X's and O's things behind why he's improved, but it's also just frankly he's given better effort. I think think last year sometimes the effort was there and just maybe the know-how wasn't, and so maybe I think the know-how has come along a little bit as well too. But he just also – like he just looks like he's trying harder out there, and I think that he's gotten genuinely better on defense. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch, and it's and it. No, I mean now, this is all like that, this, all is this is why said, we watch. This is why it's fun. Yeah. Like watching these Especially guys actually, players. like watching a light bulb turn on is fun. Yeah, like that's why anybody who's ever worked with like trying trying to like trying to coach or trying to teach anyone anything, like that's the most like satisfying moment of it is when you see them get it. Yeah, and it's just it's even even from afar. Obviously, I'm not. I don't think that I could coach Kuzma on really anything as it comes to basketball. Probably not. Maybe coach. podcasting. <laughs> no, but, I bet you hop on here and I don't know man I got I got I was on a call with the source today and they were like they were like oh you have a really nice voice are you sure you want to be a journalist and not a radio host and I'm like oh that's very flattering but <laughs> uh yeah I I think I think what it comes down to is and, and we don't know what happens next but we do at the very least you're are you a Harry Potter person yeah yeah, yeah. remember books more than the movies the movies remember, are kind of crappy remember the third book when Harry realizes he can send uh, the, the Patronus charm and he's able to do it knowing that he has done it at one point or another. Did you just, rec- did you just aggregate your own like analogy from Lock on Lakers like a week or two ago? <laughs> just in case there isn't a crossover yeah. audience. I don't know how loyal my, my, my listeners are. Well, we know from metrics that it's not, <laughs> you know... But but you know what I mean? Now Kuzma can always look back and say, I have this. At one point in my life, I was a good defender yeah. for a stretch of games. It wasn't a single possession. It wasn't stumbling drunk into the right rotation. It was literally a, a, grouping, a grouping now of six-ish games where he was good there. And, and that's something to build on. Well, and I think worth noting, not to make this a negative thing all of a sudden, but over the last three games, he's averaging 26.7 points, 56.7% shooting, 40.9% from three. Mm-hmm. Is shooting 75, 75% from the line wouldn't be affected by Ingram. But, you know, since Ingram went out and there's a slightly more sensible, especially offensively, starting lineup. and No, especially defensively. You know, yeah, right. Because Hart can Hart now takes well, the interior he, he guy. Made the, he made the defensive leap beforehand. Like they had figured something out with that other defensively mm-hmm. starting lineup. It was the offense where that other starting lineup, to me at least, yeah. looked like it had the longest way to go. And whereas now, like the Lakers aren't starting every single game in a hole. You know, weird, right? I'm just saying, Isn't like, it crazy? you know, I, like I, I, no one, no one was rooting for Ingram to get injured or anything like that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like this is celebrating an injury or anything like that. But I, I think that, you know, maybe they've seen that they can figure something out with something a little bit more traditional like this. And that might mean that you have to have a tough conversation with Ingram. Yeah. 
And now you like we were talking about last week, I think, how you can't just go to a guy and be like, well, you know, like the plus minus of this lineup is this and that. And they're like, okay, now we literally see now it's like, look. This is how this lineup is doing. We're on a roll. We don't necessarily want to change things up, and it's only a two-game winning streak. I think that would take a little bit more than well, this. Well, they'll have won. They'll have won if they take care of business in Houston, and Houston is an inferior team right now. Yeah, uh, that would. Put- well, Ingram might be back by then because you know he's he's going to try and catch some guys with the Ingram special. <laughs> I I hope he takes his time. Uh, though the longer he's out the higher the chance goes, the higher the likelihood goes that he doesn't have a starting spot to come home to. Yeah, especially if they keep rolling. If yeah. they don't, then it's a different story. But if they do, then you know I think that you have to have that conversation. Uh, the last thing that I want to uh, talk about here really quick, unless you want to talk about it after we talk to everybody. No, you can. we can do it All now. right, so we'll, we we'll, we'll talk to – I want to talk about Lonzo Ball's finishing. Uh, he, he finishes the game 4 of 11 from the field for 10 points. He did have seven rebounds and, and four assists and three steals. He made typical kind of Lonzo all over the place impact. Yeah, yeah he wasn't bad tonight by any means. It was no. just – he he was bad at layups. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what it comes down to for me, and I got some flack for this tweet. People people were were not thrilled about it. But you? Weird. I know it's wild, but it, it's very evident he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. I mean, it's just very evident he doesn't really know what to do when he gets around the rim. Well, I think at all. that's I like, think that I think that's a that's a result of I think there's a direct correlation here between not wanting to go to the free throw line and making funky decisions at the rim. That's absolutely. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying because, like, I, I don't. I'm not saying this to disparage Lonzo. Lonzo is like probably already one of the smartest players in the yes, NBA. He absolutely. played in every single area. Insane he play. He makes. He has great instincts. He reads the game amazing. Amazingly, other than when he's like ahead of everyone and throws a backwards pass to Lance that gets turned over and leads, leads to Luke to doing a three. yeah, oh yeah, enthusiasm moment. But like other than that, Lonzo is a brilliant playmaker. He's a brilliant defender. He just clearly thinks the game at such a high level in every single area, except for when he's driving to the basket to score and he looks like he's never played basketball yeah. before. I, I, he finishes like someone that like it's like the guy who like wanders into your pickup game because his other friends are playing. Yeah. Yeah. And that you're like, oh, he's kind of tall. Like, he can get his shot off, but he just doesn't look like he's ever played basketball before. You almost have to remind him, like, aim for the square. Yeah. Or he's, like, he's, like, over his head with, like, two right. hands or, like, taking, like, a step back when he, like, beat the guy. Weird Euro stumbles. Yeah. Uh, that was shade at myself. Yeah. I hey, other people were going to do it, if yeah. not. <laughs> but I, I, I do really think, and this is going to be a problem, I think, for the entirety of his career until he feels comfortable enough to get to the free throw line to, to take advantage of some of these. He had a play where he got his shoulder by Goran Dragic, and I remember specifically That was the one I was referencing. Yeah, he got, he got by Goran Dragic. He's a taller player. He had the angle on him, and he stopped and pivoted the other way. And, and and that's just the, and it was like Kobe. He paid. He finally paid respect to the Mamba. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that's where you know a somebody who is not concerned about going to the free throw line. Once that shoulder is by a smaller player, you get to the you get to the rim, and if it takes finishing through contact, then it takes finishing through contact. But he doesn't do that because or it's not even necessarily just the contact. It's like I think I am going to get blocked. This is where I always get blocked. I don't even know if it's necessarily a block. I really think he doesn't want to go to the. I'm just I want to allow for other possibilities, but you could be right. Like I, I think the one problem with this though is where. 
you know, how well he is shooting at the rim versus how well he is shooting from everywhere else. Because it's not like a thing where you can just say, well, he just shouldn't go to the rim as much until he figures this out. No, he needs to. He's shooting 55% at the rim. Literally, the only other place he's shooting above 30% from is randomly in the 25 to 29 feet range, which I guess is like, that's like... Deep three-pointers. Yeah, that's like three. So he's 34.2% from there, so that makes sense because like he's not getting his shot affected. Everywhere else, he's below 30% other than within five feet of the range. Can I nerd out about about like those percentages? Lonzo Ball learned to... like The reason he shoots the way that he does... Where he brings the ball way over to the opposite side of the side that he should be shooting the ball. The reason he does that is that when he was a kid, he started shooting three-pointers way too early. And he started heaving the ball at the basket in however way, whichever way he can get it there. And as he's gotten stronger, he doesn't need to do that as much. So I would imagine he's probably more comfortable shooting from way deep. Because that's what his shot was already always designed to do. Yeah. Was fire the ball off farther than he probably should be shooting so from. So the Lakers should start Spacing him out to 40 feet. I get him near the scorer's table. Yeah. I mean, LeBron gets to take those shots. So. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's I, I, think I really, LeBron takes those shots out of boredom sometimes. But, uh, yeah, well that we saw that in 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 last night's game. But but I really think that's the the, the shooting technique that Lonzo has and and his flinging the ball that affects his ability to shoot free throws and and it just has this trickle down effect where if you aren't comfortable shooting free throws and you don't want to get to the free throw line. I remember Rajon Rondo was like this all the time. That's where Rajon Rondo's like selfish passing around the basket started was because he didn't want to get to the free throw line and now we're kind of seeing it here with with Lonzo Ball that said to bring this conversation full circle we talked about Kuzma figuring things out that we weren't sure he was ever going to figure out right yeah growth isn't linear one day some random game, Lonzo Ball might turn things around at the free throw line. He might just turn things around at the rim. His instincts might get better as a result of having more confidence around them. That's how things go for younger players. You just don't know how it's. You don't know when or how it's going to happen. All right, we're going to take a uh, a quick second here and and then throw to the conversations I had with Ali Clifton, Mike Bresnahan. And then the one that you and I had with Geeter. This morning after he was nice enough to call us back after you forgot to record to be, him. To be fair, I thought it was a better conversation. It was longer. It's tough to have a conversation in six minutes. Yeah, I agree. So, so, But that was fun, too. So, so we're going to throw to those. And then on the, on the other side of this, we're going to introduce a new segment uh, for, to, well, to finish off the game. Yeah. To, to finish off the show. Yes. All right. Not awkward at all. And we're joined now by Ali Clifton, formerly of Fox Sports Ohio. Ton of LeBron background comes over here to, to Spectrum. I actually really like the way that they're using you this year, oh, where it's not just <laughs> where it's not just you know host duties, but asking you questions. You have a lot of context to offer, and, and I thought it's been really good all year. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, all right, so I I previewed this before we went live here, and it's been my favorite moment of media day and of LeBron coverage was. He's doing uh, the the interview up on stage. It was you, Geeter, I think it was James, and I think that was it. Mm -hmm. And LeBron starts talking about patience, and you just start cackling. (laughs) And LeBron knew that he was caught. Uh, So I wanted to ask you, 
from with that as the starting point to now here, have you seen a more patient LeBron? How is, how have you seen him handle this kind of different situation? You know what's so funny is when I started laughing, mm-hmm. you know, up there on media day on that set in that moment, it was because I go into every situation prepared, so I have questions prepared and written down. Yeah. And if you would have looked at my paper, you would have saw just the word patience mm-hmm. for my oh, own question. Okay. okay. And and that's I guess why I laugh because having covered him day in and day out for four years in Cleveland, that's one of the strong points of emphasis for himself. Mm-hmm. It's something that we would constantly observe and watch as media members and those that got to cover every single day like that. And so fast forwarding to now, I think that what LeBron has done such a good job of is really staying true to that element. Yeah. You know, yeah. he'll constantly remind us when things do get tough and luckily for the Lakers right now, things are going well. Um, that he knows the situation he came to. Yeah. And so as he gets older and as he understands the, the long haul and where this team and this organization and franchise wants to be at the end of it all, um, patience is his number one focus. It's almost a goal. It has to be. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's almost something that he has to work towards to remind himself, I have to... This is not. This isn't a a championship ready roster now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. That doesn't mean that that's not what they're going for. But it's it's just a. It's a different process for him, and and it's been interesting to watch from afar. Him kind of remind himself. Okay, yeah. This it's gonna take time. They're gonna call me out on Twitter. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna do all these things. But, that but kids I think do. that's the thing, though, is as much as it is something that he constantly focuses on and reminds himself about being patient. It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. You know, and so when he does have moments of having to remind himself and so forth, what's fun for me now is to see how he navigates that, Mm -hmm. you know, and how he approaches it and the way he carries himself, um, whether it's on the practice floor or in huddles or even throughout the course of the game being inside the lines, you know, not losing his his temper, you know, and, and keeping all of that in perspective and understanding what he's working with right now. Yeah. And, and I think he's actually done a very good job with that yeah. so far. It's been, it's been interesting also to watch on a larger scale. When he came to the Lakers, everything that was sold was this is more of a partnership. Mm-hmm. He signed for the long-term three-year thing with a fourth option year. And uh, just recently there's been the Carmelo Anthony thing. And I thought it's been pretty telling that it was, no, Magic and those guys have their job. I have my job, and we're working on this together. Com- could you compare that to how things might have been in, in Cleveland? Is there a different vibe there, or was there was was he always pretty much about, no, I'll focus on this, and then you guys focus on yours? I think there's two things here. Uh, number one, Ron has earned the respect and the right to have a voice. Absolutely. To make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, number two, the one thing that – I think sometimes it gets overlooked is he's the ultimate teammate. Yeah. And that goes with the ownership as well. He is a teammate of theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, he understands that they at the end of the day make the decisions. Yeah. And he won't overstep that bound. Mm-hmm. But I think also from that perspective, it, it's the same thing along the same lines of wanting to be coached. Mm-hmm. You know, this narrative that he doesn't want to be coached, I've seen the complete opposite. Okay. I've actually watched you know, sitting in practice over four years in Cleveland, yeah. him be coached yeah. and him take that, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think from a decision-making standpoint, he's earned the right to have a voice. 
Um, but at the end of the day, he understands who makes the final decisions. Right. Uh, and he respects that. It's been it's been fun to watch. I I can't even the the staunchest uh, pessimists watching this Lakers team kind of develop to this point. It's kind of, it's hard to find a better spot that they could be in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's helped in in every sense of the word and in, in terms of the media that he that he has and and him being able to maintain that patience? You said that earlier, uh, but winning cures all. If if things go south, do you think he'll he'll still maintain that patience, or do you think he'll kind of fall back to well, no, we uh, we only have like three years here. Yeah, you know, patience was the question that we both kind of uh, had that that chemistry, you know, on media day mm-hmm. with. But then, not too long after, I asked him what he was looking forward to most on media day, mm-hmm. and it's the challenge of hitting adversity. Yeah, you know, and so at the end of the day, you're right, winning does cure all. But I also know that that man loves a good challenge. Yeah. And he's waiting to see how they respond when hit with adversity. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something he's never seen before. It's actually something he embraces. And I think oftentimes you see him be able to take what those moments expose and show mm-hmm. and turn it into a winning kind yeah. of culture. Winning situation. Like, and yeah. we're all going to grow together kind of thing. Absolutely. That's great. Well... That's all, that's all the time we have here today. Hopefully, if, if Stacy allows us, we'll be able to talk to you guys a little bit more over the course of the season. But thank you very much for carving out a little bit of time for us. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And we're joined now again, it's been a long time, but we're joined now by, by Mike Bresnahan of Spectrum Sportsnet, formerly of the LA Times. Uh, today we could talk about the Lakers, and we'll get to them at some point, I would imagine. But I wanted to start with you were you before we went live, before we started uh, recording. You and Geeter apparently like to laugh at my, my Twitter timeline. <laughs> so you, you are very passionate. You remind me of Geeter very much, yeah. though. You guys agonize with every win and loss. It's, I would I would love to see you two at, at a sports bar together <laughs> watching a, a playoff game. We, we need to make that happen. One of us might not walk out. <laughs> um, so, but uh, we were we were talking though, and, and what's interesting to me, you come from a, a journalistic background. It's 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 very hard line of of the of a prior generation of you don't cheer at press row. You have to be as unbiased as possible. And, and now with this transition into bloggers getting more platforms to actual platforms, legitimate platforms. So I was kind of wondering what you feel about, I guess, the the evolution of, of sports coverage here with the advent of the blogger who has a, a, a bit of a platform now. Yeah, I think maybe... Five or six years ago, I think the blogs were the, the Laker blogs were definitely pro Laker, mm-hmm. and I still sense that's the case. But I feel like it's yeah. been tempered mm-hmm. uh, in, in a very professional, journalistic type of way. Where now, you know, if a player gets in trouble for doing something, it's on that website. Yeah. You know, whatever uh, blog it is. Mm-hmm. If a player is not playing well, there's writers who will say on a blog, "This guy needs to pick it up a little bit." Right. So I think it's become more. Critical. I think that's a fair mm-hmm. word to use. It's not just uh, uh, fanboys like yeah. uh, all the Laker <laughs> yeah. uh, writers were called by Kevin Durant the yes, other day I was gonna say. for finding yeah. over LeBron. <laughs> so I, I don't sense as much of a uh, journalistic divide mm-hmm. as maybe there used to be uh, just a handful of years ago. Ha- would you say it's been a? I won't. I won't call it a welcome addition because I mean, at the end of the day, 
there has been a bit of a back and forth between journalist and blogger and, and some looking down and looking up and, 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 and the way that that's kind of ha- uh, transpired. But would you say that it's been a, a positive addition to, to coverage or, or do you think, you know, we're, we're still kind of lacking as, as more and more fanboys pop up? No, I think it's, it's positive. I mean, I was at the LA Times for 22 years mm-hmm. and, and I understand the, the necessity of being balanced Mm-hmm. And being, you know, you have to tell the story. We have to tell it as middle down the road as you possibly can. Right. And was that the case with bloggers a handful of years ago? No. Probably not. No. It was definitely pro Laker and uh, what's wrong with us? You know, yeah. us and, yeah. and, and that type yeah. of thing. And, and that's just, that was, that's not my background. Mm-hmm. And so now if I read some of the Laker blogs, it's like, huh, all right, there's, there's a little bit of a, a bark there. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little bite too. So I, I definitely would, would, would say it's a good thing because, you know, who's going to go to a site where if the Lakers lose by 35 points, it's, but look at that second quarter, the first four minutes. Garbage time, sir, went well. Yeah, yeah they really outscored him in the last four minutes, 17 yeah. to, to nine in right. a 35-point blowout. And it, I, I'm actually kind of pleased that there, there are no more blowouts because that's, that's not, I, I want to be entertained yeah. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I think the, the journalists and the bloggers both feel that like entertainment to me is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you and I cannot control the wins and losses. Right. But hopefully, there's an enter- entertainment factor where it's exciting. These games are close, and I think that's that's kind of what's going on right now. I completely agree uh, about the Lakers specifically. Now, how have you? How would you have gone about covering LeBron if you were still at the LA Times? I mean, you still do a lot of the same type of, of coverage here from Spectrum, but but how would you have gone about? You know, would you which kind of angle would you have tried to sneak in there with that might have been a little bit more original than some of the others out there? I, I probably would have treated LeBron the same way I did Kobe. Yeah, we, we learned at the LA Times pretty early on. I got the beat in '04 and had it for 12 seasons. If you put Kobe in a headline. People are going to read it. You know, yeah. Kobe spits on sidewalk would get 100,000 views <laughs> yeah. uh, on latimes.com. You, know, you can't go into people's living rooms and see what they're reading in the newspaper product, but, but the latimes.com numbers were always pretty telling to us. Now, did I write about Kobe every single day? No. I thought yeah. that, that was kind of a, a cheap device. Mm-hmm. But I would pick just three or four players, maybe five players from every Laker team I covered, almost a rotation. Mm-hmm. Kobe one day, Lamar the next day. Uh, Pal the day after that, mm-hmm. uh, check in with Meta mm-hmm. uh, or Ariza, uh, you know, depending on, on who's on the team. Fish, what's he up to? Yeah. Almost, it would, it would almost be a rotation. That's the way you'd want it to be. But inevitably, it would go Kobe, Lamar, Kobe, Pal, <laughs> Kobe, right. Kobe, Meta. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, just everything LeBron says is just so important to, to the, the dialogue of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, that you have to track him sequentially. Is he happy in November? Is he, is he excited about the team in December? What's happening in January and February? All right, it's the trade deadline. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's he saying about any new acquisitions? Right. So his word is, I don't want to say gospel, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, but his word is definitely the loudest in the room. Word. Yeah, so yeah. I, I would always keep my eye on LeBron, but try not to, to lose track of the other guys. You know, the, the young narrative is still really important. Yeah, you know, especially because those two things go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a big part of... How far are they going to go in the playoffs? Assuming they make it, how do the young kids look? Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge because very few of them uh, have ever been in the playoffs. None of them on the Lakers right now. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this uh, for this segment here with with Brez. I, I hope to talk to you sometime soon. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Anytime.
And we're joined now by Chris McGee, uh, or as everybody knows him, he is Geeter. That is a Magic Johnson uh, decree. Uh, we've already the, the irony here is that Geeter and I had a conversation when I was at Spectrum, and me being the D'Angelo Russell fan that I am, I overcompensated and didn't record it. Um, Amazing. <laughs> so, so uh, now Harrison, and then Harrison made sure to to uh, announce that we're tied, seeing as he lost the Kobe Carl interview, and then now I've lost the Chris McGee interview. Uh, but Chris, thanks for thanks for joining us uh, now for the second time. Apparently, you know what? We will never be able to recreate the magic we had that night at the yeah. Spectrum studios so it's on you but we're gonna make it we're gonna just we're gonna make it good man we'll be all right yeah that was uh that was a, that was a lot of fun that was i mean it's always fun getting in and, and being able to watch a game i mean jen jen asks me as she's going off to work hey what do you what do you got planned for today what's on your schedule i was like oh i'm just gonna go watch basketball with james worthy <laughs> what do you normally yeah. say is that, like sit in my underwear and blog uh no i put pants on usually so <laughs> <laughs> by the way it seemed like it was a bigger group, and you guys watched the entire game with us. Yeah, that I was a like nice touch. Am I wrong? Hello. I felt like it was big. Yeah, I felt, I felt like it was bigger this this time, wasn't it? It was. We had to. They had to bring in a second table. There was a kids' table at this one. We had a kids' table. Uh, <laughs> Christian made the kids' table, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of the hosts on on the uh, Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network, and and he sat at the kids' table. So that was. I'm I'm never gonna. Yeah. I think I should just change his name in my contact stuff to Kid Stable Christian. So, and we had and we had place cards uh, that said blogger on it. Those were cool. So it was a fun <laughs> night. And the Lakers won. Uh, no, they didn't. No, no. That was the Spurs game. That was the Spurs game. Remember, they were up. I warned you. I they went into the fourth quarter and they were up ten, and you were like, oh, "Okay, man, it'd be nice to just kind of take care of this one. No funny business." And I said, "Oh, yeah." There, there yeah. it went. There's the jinx. You did. But you know where that game was lost to me? It's funny battling with people about that after the game and, uh, you know, oh, the lack of intensity. I'm like, listen, like a team like the Spurs that have been struggling and finally gets home, they're due to have a quarter like that. Now, listen, I mean, not that the Lakers could have prevented it and played better. There's no question. But the Spurs were hitting shots all over the place. That game was lost in the second quarter to me. I mean, yeah. that's when we were all together, too. I mean, it's 3.30 left and that, you know, you're up 17 or 15 and you're playing fantastic, 15, 69, 54, and, and then the three turnovers and, and they go on a 10-0 run. So for me, that's where, you know, let's say the Lakers go in with a 10-point lead. The way they played in third, uh, they're up 20 in that game. The Lakers have played on that road trip, I thought, seven of their best quarters. The only quarter they didn't play well was when the Spurs outscored them by 22. Yeah, I, I thought, and this is something that they've had, they've kind of struggled with since Rondo went down. But, but that that stretch where maybe there isn't a point guard on the floor or or whatever, they kind of yeah. lack discipline, and and that's where just having a point guard out there, shortcomings uh, notwithstanding, when it comes to Rajon Rondo's game, having a point guard out there and just keeping guys focused on. No, 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 we don't. We don't need to knock them out in the second quarter. This group that, that's on the court here just has to maintain that lead so that the starters can come in and knock them out early in the third quarter. And and, and I thought they tried to knock them out, swung and missed a bunch of times, and it brought the Spurs back into the game. Yeah, I mean, Berton's hitting shots, total playing great, Patty Mills. And, and it was, you know, the first game since Ingram's injury, I think 
made the rotations a little bit different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, figuring out that, you know, you do need to stagger LeBron and Lonzo um, if they're both playing well, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those games, man. That, that was tough. But I, I, the way they bounced back in, uh, in Memphis to me was, man, that was really, really impressive. Yeah, I spent the whole first segment talking about that game for today's Locked on Lakers. It was just, I thought it said yeah. a lot about everybody involved. I thought it said something that the players really rallied around each other and, and rallied around Luke and came back after a disappointing loss. They fought like hell. <laughs> they, what was yeah. the, 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 re, the rebounding numbers there were pretty crazy. Yeah. Where the rebounding out- numbers were out of this. They were, they were insane, right? It was 36-11 yeah. in the first half. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Well, yeah, it's the, I think the problem is is that Memphis couldn't get rebounds because the Lakers weren't missing. <laughs> and Memphis yeah, was certainly missing. <laughs> like you don't get if the Lakers just don't miss, then you don't get rebounds and the Lakers were on fire. But I, I think that we should probably steer this towards, you know, what everybody's I think probably still going to be talking about tomorrow or today when this when this drops is uh, is the Trevor Ariza stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's been kind of cooking here for the past week or so. And uh, and then when once Woj drops it, then all of a sudden people really start to perk up. And uh, it, it, it is really interesting, man. I mean, when you think about a guy like Trevor Reza and what he's uh, done in this league and, and what he meant to Houston and the Lakers back when they won a title in 2009, you know, that 3 and D guy, even though he's 33 years old, he can still play, man. So obviously uh, someone with championship pedigree um, would be a, 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 a huge addition to this team. We saw what his absence has meant for Houston. They've kind of completely disintegrated in front of everybody's eyes. And and I think that had to do not just with Trevor Ariza, Luke Richard and Mabute had, a, had an effect on that. And, and Carmelo Anthony showing up at all, I think it impacted that. Um, it, how do you feel about the, the, the fit here uh, with Trevor, where the Lakers already have Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, and Brandon Ingram as wings. Do you think that would be one wing too many, or is that even a thing that can happen? You know, I think it's a great question. For me, I know that that's a discussion we all have to have, and and us too, and we have to look at that, but I I just don't see the harm in adding a piece, especially because of the way a guy like Tyson Chandler fit in. I just feel Arisa, because of his relationship with Luke, because of what he adds to a team, uh, yeah, you'd have to figure out a way to mesh it um, and, and it might hurt some people's playing times, but I, I, I just see too much value in it. I, really I also just think that you can't have too many wings right now in the current NBA. Yeah. And if you're just no if you're doubt. looking at the teams of the Lakers, like if they're going to want to make some noise in the playoffs, they're going to need a bigger wing that can like disrupt guys with his link that you like realistically. So like, let's say you're planning for a series with Golden State. You need a guy like Trevor Ariza to throw at Kevin Durant. Not that anybody's going to stop Kevin Durant, but you just need someone that can at least stay with him or defend him. And I know like there were a lot of people kind of chirping at me yesterday about, you know, his, all of his metrics are down. He's watching he's not good anymore it's like everybody said that about Tyson Chandler too and then he got out of whatever the opposite of the fountain of youth is that they're giving people in Phoenix <laughs> yeah. and came to LA and was like oh hey it's time to try again and he was pretty good and so I, I don't think that Ke- Trevor Ariza became a bad player over one offseason after being like pretty good last year no Trevor Ariza is still a good player he's not 26 years old anymore you don't need him to play 38 minutes a night but like you said you know, Tyson Chandler, you get a little rejuvenated. All of a sudden, you're playing with LeBron James, and you're playing back in that purple and gold uniform. Trust me, uh, he would be just fine in a Laker uniform. I think you'd see his value right away. You know, it, it's interesting. Like, right now, you think about you, – you were saying you can never have too many wings. Like, 
Think about when someone gets hurt. I mean, Ingram goes down, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's a glaring difference for me. And, and I know, Anthony, you and I talked about this when we were hanging out. Like, you know, you're going to see on Twitter, you're going to see fans say, good, Rondo's hurt. Now, no more more minutes for Lonzo. Or who cares if Ingram's hurt? Kuz is going to rise to the occasion. Yeah, that's great. That That's what teams are supposed to do. But you have no idea how much it throws off a, a, a team and a unit and a bench when guys that are – valuable pieces go down and 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 I, I just feel like adding another one like that could only help yeah I completely agree I think what, what it comes down to is one thing you should never root for injuries and and every time I hear somebody go with the oh good Rondo now Rondo can't play in fourth quarters if yeah. he's hurt and I'm like well that's that's great but it, somebody's livelihood is impacted by whether or not they're yeah, able to yeah. and by the way by the way Rondo helps you win games sometimes dummy yeah I, it's just I'll never understand that. But for me, that's not a fan of the team. That's a fan of a player. And I have to remind myself all the time, there is a huge difference. And I think I learned it for the first time in this business when Jeremy Lin was a Laker. Like I just remember. I was, was going to make the joke about Jeremy Lin. It was actually oh, Jeremy Lin oh, for you. It was insane. It was like, oh my God, this is real. And by the way, Jeremy Lin's one of the nicest guys you'll ever cover. Yeah. And I really liked him. I, I, I had a problem with the fans because they did not care one bit about anything I cared about. So we just went back and forth. It was back in those days when I used to absolutely just go and respond to everybody. Um, so I, I had to r- remind myself that a lot of times there are people that are just fans of Lonzo. There are people that hate Lonzo. There are people that are just fans of Coos and don't care about Ingram. There are people that just love Ingram and don't care about Coos. So for me, those aren't what we are about. I mean, all of us, you know, uh, we talk about, I mean, we, we, we want this team to win. I mean, yeah, of course you like players and, and individuals, but we want to win games. Yeah, I can. It, what, it, what it comes down to is is what what puts the Lakers in the best situation. Okay, we'll do more of that. That's that's what it comes down to. And, and I think that's how I feel about Trevor Ariza here is, is I agree with you guys saying that, that it's not possible to have too many wings, whether it's for injury concerns or matchup concerns or whatever. They're just very valuable players. That position, in my opinion, is the most valuable in the sport. Um, so hopefully the Lakers can can figure something out, and we'll see what that trade might look like eventually. Uh, fortunately, Anthony, what's up? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you guys, you know what we don't talk too much about? I just wanted to throw out there before you went on to the next subject. Uh-huh. Guys are very important in our team are really, really young and have never sniffed a playoff game. Yeah. So when the Lakers do get to the playoffs, we really have no idea how they're going to play because you have great series, you have bad series. Over the years, when you're in the playoffs every year, you go through the whole gamut of it. We have no idea. So for me, having guys with playoff experience, because it is a different beast, man, that doesn't hurt. I just keep thinking about how Josh Hart will handle that situation. He comes from having won a championship in the NCAA, and yep. and uh, yep. I think he'll handle that situation. But you just never know. I completely agree. And and I think one thing that, that the Lakers are in a great spot here with is that they have that good mix of veterans who you're, are a little bit more predictable in those situations. Tyson yep. Chandler has won a championship. Obviously, LeBron. Rondo has won a championship. Lance has had memorable uh, playoff moments though i'm i'm kind of sort of hoping he's not on the roster when when that time comes um but but you know i i I think if there's a group of veterans that you want these young guys to learn from it's definitely these this that you couldn't do much better than these veterans that the lakers have kind of put together here and and i think magic and palinka deserve a ton of credit for understanding that chemistry aspect of things javel's been awesome too and and what he's brought over from 
his time with the Warriors, and I think he's just having a lot of fun being a bigger piece of the puzzle. Uh, and he's been awesome with the young guys too, man. You just see the way – I don't know if you can get two better guys in terms of like for young bigs to, to watch than JaVale and Tyson in terms of how they treat other people and how they treat their teammates and how they pull for one another. It's, 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 it's something that's really hard to teach, and it says a lot about those two guys as, as individuals. And just how good of teammates they are in the sense of like they accept their role there. You know, you talked about yeah. their fans that want things for players more than they want them for the team. Like Tyson and JaVale don't really I mean, I'm obviously everyone wants their individual production, but they they're two guys like that are like picture perfect cases of of players that know their limitations and don't really try to exceed that. Like JaVale will attempt a little hook every so often, but it's usually late in the shot clock. Like uh, outside of that, he's screening, he's rolling to the rim and he's trying to dunk and he knows his role and Tyson Chandler like same thing these guys are not like going out and you know part of that is because they're older veterans and young guys still have to stretch their limits and see what they can be so there there's a balance there but there was also like JaVale made the point earlier this year I I think it was during training camp or it was early during the season that like all the guys talk about the everyone wants to talk about what the veterans are teaching the young guys. But he said, these young guys are like ahead of the curve. Like they're pretty. And I think the Lakers also deserve credit for that. It's like drafting a young core that all seem to have pretty solid heads on their shoulders. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's fun to look at those guys too, and just see how they're connecting and and fitting in and, and even see, you know, like it's funny because I think Anthony was there, you know, James worthy loves fee. And he keeps saying, man, this kid can play. And like, you know, he's missing shots and people are going crazy on Twitter, get him out of there, get him out of there. But it's not, they're not bad. Like he's right there and he just needs a little time and minutes. And when you can squeeze him in and you can give him a little bit more of a chance with not have such a quick hook uh, uh, in those kind of games, then, then, then you see him get better and more comfortable. So it, it's really a, a, a game of chess and how you do this and how you use these guys. But, you know, look at a guy like Mo and listen, I don't think we're going to need Mo this year, but down the road we will, you know? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's it's a it's a great group, and 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 I think the last thing I really wanted to, to hit on here, and and it was one of the things that you and I spoke about uh, last Friday, was that this team seems to have taken up the identity of both LeBron, obviously, and and also Luke. I think uh-huh. like just just having a cool head at at just about all times, I it showed through insanely clearly during that San Antonio game where, that where the Lakers won and. Ingram goes down and they have all that foul trouble and they struggle to hit shots, uh, but they just hung in and, and they, they kept their heads and, and were able to take care of business there at the end. I just think those kinds of things, it, it, they really reflect uh, really well on, on Luke, who who hasn't – it's not just basketball. Politically speaking, it hasn't been an easy job for him this year, and I think he's really handled it well. Yeah, I don't think it was easy for him last year either. I mean, you know, maybe that first year when, you know – everybody's worrying about the lottery and where you're going to land and all that stuff and, and just getting better because they were coming off a 17 win season. And, and, and then last year, you know, the expectations grow a little bit higher, but they're still a really young team. And, you know, there was that losing streak in December after you battle those injuries. And I thought that was really unfair. And, and I feel like that showed me a lot about his character. He never went off point, never went off message. I asked People in that organization, friends of mine that were coaches along with him, has he changed in practice? Can you see that he's down? And they're like, no, it's amazing that he just stays the same leader. He doesn't put that stuff on the players. He's not insecure. He doesn't say, oh, if you guys don't get together, I'm getting by. He doesn't even bring it in. And, and I think players see that. 
and players go, dude, this guy's chill. He's got it. What a good attitude. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's never thrown us under the bus. I, I remember in D'Angelo days and, and I remember with Zoe last year when, when young, when young point guards or young players would struggle and he would not bury them in the media, even after bad games, when Lonzo 0 for 6 or something like that, he'll still find something good that he did. I'm not saying he doesn't light guys up in, in person or he doesn't bring them aside. I just, I, I, it's just, I like the way he handles his business. And I think players see that. And I do think it matters at that level. It might not, people, uh, fans might not understand that, but, but it is a huge part of, of sports culture, especially at that level. Guys don't want, I mean, look what's going on in Chicago right now, right? I mean, it's an absolute oh my God. mess all over the league. Yeah, football, basketball, it doesn't matter the sport. Teams just unravel. And, and, but when your head guy, when your head guy can let, let it flow like water off a duck's back or he doesn't have his ego involved and he's not a guy that's searching for credit, I, I think guys love that personally. So I feel like they rally around him. I mean, that was tough last year, right? It, it, everyone was kind of waiting for the Lakers to come out and say something. And, you know, there's all that stuff going on and, you know, Fizdale rumors. And Luke, just stay cool. Stay cool. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's my, I think it's his, his most uh, prevalent uh, ability is, is his ability to just, one, communicate. I think he's shown an ability to do that. But, but just kind of maintain a cool head. And I think that comes from playing for the Lakers and, and, and winning titles for the Lakers and then playing alongside Kobe and, and the circus that follows Kobe. So he was, he was really well set up uh, for this, for this current job. Um, I, that's yeah, a, yeah, there's no doubt. Sorry, uh, go on. I, that's all, that's all I have. Harrison, do you have anything else here? Well, I just have one more and I would just to end things on a lighter note. So mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of podcasts over the last year have been trying to get listeners by getting an NBA star to come on their show and say something really controversial. You had like the Kyrie flat earther <laughs> thing. Steph said he didn't believe the moon landing happened today. today. So Geeter, do you have any insane conspiracy theories that you believe so that we can just like <laughs> clickbait around this podcast, like local spectrum sports net host? Oh says, man. <laughs> No, I, I, it's funny. I, I don't, I, I think those conspiracy theorists are out of their noodle sometimes. <laughs> I just don't understand what they're doing. I mean, it's just funny. I just feel like, man, you got to have a lot of time on your hands and you got to really think uh, people are out to get you to come up with some of these theories, right? There, there are uh, some of these things that like you, if you watch them, they're so serious and like, and you do no other research whatsoever. Like you watch these, uh, like these videos or you look at the, like the webpage and you're like, Oh, that makes a convincing case. And then you Google it and it's like 20 reasons like to debunk, like all this stuff, like really simply. And so, I mean, I see why people fall for it. Like if they don't do any extra research, but yeah, I have, I have a pretty good conspiracy. You guys are in this business. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so the Lakers are twelve and zero when Lonzo Ball plays more than six minutes in the fourth <laughs> quarter, and they're eight and one when he plays more than thirty minutes in a game. That's a pretty crazy oh, conspiracy. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> pretty crazy conspiracy theory. And when Brandon Ingram doesn't play, we give up one hundred and twenty points. It, the, 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 the list goes on and on. If you try hard enough, you can find a stat that goes in favor of your argument in the NBA. It's amazing. That's it actually really our is. entire job is just to do that. Oh yeah. my God! You can sway an argument. You can sway your side. It's 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 pretty awesome. By the way, I thought Pete had an interesting tweet that I'm not I shouldn't say interesting. One that I actually thought about in uh, Laker film room, Pete, and and I thought, man, that's that's how I feel. Um, if he said something like, "I haven't had this much fun watching a Laker team since 2010," and God, that seems like a long time, but I think he's right. Oh yeah, absolutely. This, I mean, you think about the close. 
you think about we're gonna the, cut the, the part where you gave Pete credit for that because honestly, I feel like everybody feels that way. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, this... I just it's, I saw it this morning for some reason, and it hit me. Uh, I was sitting at the gas station, flipping through Twitter real quick, and uh, I saw that tweet. You know, sometimes like it was like I think he sent it out hours ago too. Yeah, there's like the in case you missed it. In my face. Yeah, popped in my face, and I'm like, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we've all said that, I think, but it hit me where I was like, 2010. That's a long time ago. When yeah, they, no, it's it's been a while. When they get out and run, they they might be up there in terms of my favorite Lakers teams to watch ever. When, when, yeah, I think when, you tweeted that one time too. Like, man, this team's fun. Yeah, when when, when they run in, like it's, it's true. It's 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 a it's a good one. And I, I think, uh, yeah, this will probably. I mean, if 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 things kind of carry on in the way that they're they're going right now, this could be one of those seasons that you always look back on. Like for me, it's remember two thousand eight. Was it two thousand eight? Yeah, or yeah. Where it started with Kobe demanding a trade and asking to play on Pluto and then kind of turned things around and they wound up in the finals. Like, that's my favorite season of all time. Uh, I, I could see this season just because of where expectations were and how crazy everything went and then now playing the way that they do. I could see that kind of heading in that direction. We'll see, though. This has been two yeah, of you. the designated 10 minutes a week Anthony gives himself to allow himself to be happy about the Lakers, and the rest is just complaining. I know. So <laughs> I, know. I appreciate I, you I've using those on our Anthony. podcast today. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot about Anthony over the last few years. Uh, I've really come to appreciate when – and I know when he's having wine. I know when he's got some beers in. <laughs> he knows probably when I do. Um, we're not even in the same room. We just kind of, kind of know when he's emotional. He probably knows when I'm emotional. Um, and, and he knows when he puts something out there where I might send him a text and say, dude, what are you talking about? So we're, we, 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 we have a total understanding of each other. There's a full relationship we have. Yeah, I think Brez called the. I think Brez called me your spirit animal, or one of vice versa, or yeah. something like that. So, yeah. Well, listen, we all can't go through life not caring. Like Brez, really, his concerns are: where am I eating dinner tonight? Which wine am I going to pick out? <laughs> um, he's so social, loves everybody. Not you know, he's worried about the Steelers and the Penguins. Like he's, not, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, it's great. It's great to be Brez. Great yeah. To be Brez. Absolutely. All right. Well, we we kept you way longer than than uh, we promised we would. So I think we gave you like three or four last questions. So that was <laughs> yeah. The but you guys know once you got me, I'm in. You got come on, dude. I'm out. Come on. Well, we greatly you appreciate you uh, recording now your second podcast on of the year with us. Uh, <laughs> Don't uh, did you panic? Did you panic and not record it? Or we get... it's yeah, it's Anthony. Been... Did you actually record it this time? I made sure to record this one. I I, okay. I D'Angelo Russell the right way this time. So <laughs> your guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Uh, thank you very much, though. Gita, you... for, for... Time out. Time out. Who do you root for? Who do you root for when Brooklyn's going to play the Lakers? Oh, just D'Angelo. That's it. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. He doesn't care about the result. It's like these other people. He just like he just cares uh, that D'Angelo plays well. Yeah. Uh, Is, does he have a pl positive plus minus on the game? Cool. It's a good game. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God you can't care what I texted you last year when you were rooting for Brooklyn and uh, the Lakers were playing. Well, in fairness, he made maybe the dumbest bet I've ever seen in thinking that Brooklyn would win more games. I mean, they yeah, all got hurt. They that. lost Jeremy Lin in the first 15 minutes of their oh, season. Yeah, but like if you're relying on Jeremy Lin, you just weren't going to be very good anyway. I mean, the Lakers weren't. They, they won 35 games. Let's not act like that was a juggernaut that I was betting. No, against. that was ju that was juggernaut 30 win team. They were in the <laughs> upper half of 30 wins. <laughs> yeah. All right, <laughs> we got to let Geeter go. All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much, Geeter, for hopping on, and uh, yeah, I'll keep texting you to, to bug you. All right, my homies. 
And that was Allie Clifton, Mike Bresnahan, Chris McGee, Geeter, as we all know and love him. Uh, Harrison actually got to sit in on the last one because of a mistake I made. So you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I don't... You got to talk to Geeter. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, like, it very much wasn't intentional on yours <laughs> or his part, but it worked out. Uh, no, it was definitely not intentional. I wanted all the, the praise for myself and, and wound up dunking on myself. It was a Lance play, really. Yeah. Um, today, though, we are going to uh, finish up this show by reading a book for, by, written by a, a near and dear friend. Yes, we are, Anthony, it has come to our attention that many people think that we're idiots. And so we are going to show everyone how wrong they are and how sophisticated we are (laughs) because we are going to do the hottest trend from the 90s and start a book club. (laughs) So our first book for the the Lake Show Book Club, that's the name that I just came up with for it Uh right now Mm -hmm. off the top of my head because we didn't plan for this very much at all. Nope. We are uh, we are going to read a, in my opinion, like from what I can read of the testimonials, what is a must-read book on leadership and on life and I think pretty much just those two subjects. And How to attain success, I would imagine. Yes. So it is Slam Dunk Success, Leading from Every Position on Life's Court. And it is written by Byron Scott and Charles Norris with John Warwick. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that. That sounds right to me. Sounds right. So sure. we're going to be reading. We're going to alternate reading chapters each week. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to just kind of share like some excerpts, maybe what we <laughs> learned. And we would love for all of you to, to read along. along. With, yeah, to join along with us and share with us on Twitter or in the iTunes reviews or wherever you please what you learned from this. And we may like share some of your excerpts or lessons. And I, I think everybody will start to get a feel for this once we, you know, once we do it a couple weeks. But I think we'll figure out who's going to take the first chapter later. Do you want to do you want to do the honors? Do you want to take the first one? Should I take the first one? Uh, I could take the first one. Okay, yeah, because I have finals week coming up. I'm just realizing, yeah, so that it. would be really dumb for me to I'll, take on extra reading. I'll take the first one. It's only it's only 14 pages. That's by, actually not too bad. By the way, guys, you can buy Byron Scott's book on, on Amazon. On Amazon, it's actually a bargain. Thirteen dollars for a hardcover. It's probably oh man. Cheaper. Paper cat. Nope, that's not it. These things got to be flying off. The paperback was up there, you dumbass. <laughs> Where? I don't see. That's only hardcover. Oh, actually, that's his Kindle. Okay, never see? mind. I'm sorry. So there you go, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right, so just to, just to kind of give everyone a sense for what we're kind of going for here, I'm going to read the chapters list to Anthony, and he really briefly is just going to give him me his best shot at what the chapter is probably about. We may go back and fact check these later <laughs> and see like how, like how many you got right. Yeah. So chapter one, honesty at the top. Is that, I would imagine it's about accountability, but he never really showed that very much while he was in L.A., so... Honesty at the top about everyone below you. Yes. Just not necessarily introspectively. You know what my very first instinct was? You think of, like, the top, top half of somebody... I just saw the <laughs> arms crossed. I, okay, chapter chapter two, joining the team. Ah, uh, I don't even know what would that. That's got to be about joining the Lakers, Anthony. There's like almost there's like well, the Lakers or the Clippers, I guess. But like, how? Draft, what does yeah. that have to do with success? 
I don't know. I mean, I guess if you get drafted by the Lakers and they you have just, Magic Johnson and Kareem, you, that's a pretty good tip for success, honestly. I, get drafted by a team with Magic Johnson on it. I don't think they drafted him. It was a draft day trade. Well, it trade. was a draft day trade, yeah. but still. He's like Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> One of many ways I'm sure that he compares themselves <laughs> in this book. So, chapter three, The Art of Focus. Okay. <laughs> can't wait for that chapter. That's going to be one of my chapters. Yeah, that's going to be yours if we that's keep gonna, alternating. So, actually, I'm very exciting for chapter four, fighting complacency. Okay. <laughs> for a man who, like, whose default question about, like, manhood and, like, uh, and, you know, like, how to just be tough is asking someone if they've ever been in a fist fight or yeah. accusing his players of having never been in one. Yeah. I, I think this is literally going to be about him, like, punching complacency in the face. In the face. It's like, <laughs> chapter five. We win. We all win. But he didn't win very much out here. Well, uh, he won as a player. Yeah. So, like, I want to know if he wrote it more from the standpoint of as a coach or as a player. I. He had to have focused more as a player. Maybe. I don't know. So, chapter six, winner mentality versus loser mentality. <laughs> Do you think he just – it's just, it's just it's, a giant subway to D'Angelo Russell? No, it's a listicle of the things he loved most about Kobe and then things he liked least about d <laughs> About D'Angelo Russell. It's like a BuzzFeed listicle a right in the middle page, of this book. It's, it's, it's a single-page song. <laughs> F you, D'Angelo. Yes. You I'm cost sorry. me my dream job. All right, chapter seven, no panic. <laughs> Look, man, if there's one thing you can never say about Byron is that he 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 never lost his cool. No, that's true. He he literally never changed expression. It was, it was, it was just, just it was guy. just a cross arm frown <laughs> yeah. on the side. So that one I'll take his I remember on. that one there was that one that one famous picture of him in the background as D'Angelo is celebrating and Byron just has his arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, chapter eight, risk. Well, he risked not it's, being able. To, I think it's just about the board game risk. Had he, <laughs> had he, had he not taken the job when he took it to be the Lakers coach and coach like at the end of Kobe's career, you realize he would be like at the very top of candidates if Luke lost his job right now, right? He's probably going to be at the top of the list anyway. So he risked it. He risked everything. Got to risk it to get the biscuit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chapter nine: Success outside your element. Okay, so he went from being a player, that's where he was really good, to coaching, and wound up being awful. So, Okay, so chapter 10, have a mentor, be a mentor. <laughs> was his mentor Kobe? No, I think he mentored Kobe. No I think, way. I think this is, the, this is the chapter where he gives himself credit for Kobe's career. <laughs> and for Kyrie, and for Chris Paul. I know. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Is that an odd or an even number? That's a, that's an even number, so I guess ah, that one's mine. Man, you got that one. So this one no, this one's for you. Building for chapter eleven, building from the bottom up. <laughs> that's about Ronnie Price's like nice low defensive stance, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't so chapter twelve, delegating authority and providing okay. <laughs> I am more excited for this than any segment we've ever done that requires me to read. Okay, actually, you're going to appreciate this one. Chapter right. 13, Ego versus Respect. Okay. <laughs> I love that you've had two copies of this sitting on your table for, like, he spent, weeks, he spent, and you haven't read any of the chapter lists. He spent two straight years showcasing such incredible ego that he would, like, 
re- respond negatively anytime any of his decisions were like even remotely questioned and he's telling us that what was it ego versus respect okay yeah <laughs> fire away byron i'm surprised i wasn't spelled like re24 pecked <laughs> um chapter 14 working with your strengths i guess the, like it's just like list of strengths Get the ball to Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's that that one picture that I, I think you were here when I drew it, where I drew up like a play? <laughs> it was just all the guys were standing on the bench, there were like four circles in the corner, and Kobe had the ball up top. Oh god! <laughs> here, you're gonna lay. You're Spacing. Re- you're, re- you're ready for your next one? Yes. This is, this is gonna be one of your final chapters, chapter 15. Sticking to your guns. Oh. <laughs> Ronnie no matter Price. how many times people tell you to shoot threes, yeah. no matter how much you helped your team by shooting threes, don't ever shoot threes. That was always the weirdest thing. He was like a legitimately good shooter, and he just got to being a coach and it said, was like He no. just like became a coach and forgot like everything about Math. when he played. Yeah. Chapter 16, Temperament. <laughs> Again, one of the few things that you can't really criticize him for. He always had... Now, he famously said that the kids hadn't earned the right to talk to him yet, which <laughs> probably not great in terms of temperament, but okay. All right, chapter 17, expectations and credibility. How many chapters are there? It's <laughs> 20. Oh, my God. I already regret signing up for this. <laughs> so much reading. Um, okay, I, chap- <laughs> chapter 18, Heads and Hearts. <laughs> All right, that has to be about, like, defense and and, and fighting through the mentality. I, I think we're going to be very tired. wrong on these. I think, like, we're ignoring the fact that, like, a business guy wrote this with him. And so, like... I was thinking about the fact that he had a co-author on this. Th- that's just because you can't type with your arms crossed, right? <laughs> It's just yelling platitudes about <laughs> yeah. life at him. Okay, chapter nineteen, farewell. This is this is this is going to be the chapter about Kobe's farewell. That's the Kobe farewell farewell yeah. tour. Yeah. yeah. Chapter twenty, beyond the boards. Were the Lakers a good defensive team or a rebounding team those years? Probably not, right? I mean, they probably got like more offensive rebounds than like you would otherwise expect because like they, they missed a lot. Yeah, they didn't shoot very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, Kobe assists. <laughs> Yo, that's what that chapter we did, is we about. We figured it out. Yeah. The Kobe assist. Beyond rebounds, how Kobe actually was assisting his teammates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assist. Just get the rebound. Yeah, and so that's it. And then the About the Authors page on the final page, which seems weird. Why would, the, why would there be an About the Author if it's him writing about his own platitudes? Yeah, I don't know. I guess like more pages about... That'll probably be in the Ego's chapter. <laughs> As if we don't have Wikipedia. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I have I have high hopes for this. No, I think this is going to be great. I think don't worry, it won't be this long every week. This was just to set up the segment. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll probably be like maybe two or three minutes at the end of every show. Yeah, but it won't be I think it's going to be one of our better segments. I'm I'm excited for this. I'm excited to learn some lessons about how to be successful because, you know, I think we've had like we could say that we've had moderate success in like our field so far. I think but so. I'm ready to take this to the next level and become a millionaire. So <laughs> I feel What's like funny? by the end of this book. What's funny, I've read maybe three articles total this season, and I'm going to read an entire damn book right now. I know. It, sh- it shows up like when you like write things that I wrote last week as like, a new point, and I'm like, <laughs> Anthony didn't plagiarize this because I know he didn't read it. I right, know. Yeah. 
All right, that'll do it for this episode of The Lake Show. This was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to these future segments. Uh, if there's a topic that you guys want us to cover, I'll go ahead and steal from my idea with Locked On Lakers. Just let us know in the in the iTunes reviews, and we'll try to get to it. That's a, that, I think that's the best way to make sure that we both benefit from this because we want to make sure that you guys feel as if you're a part of the show. And reviews obviously help us as well, so we're going to continue doing that. So win-win, and then like also take your like take your significant other's phone, subscribe to the podcast, set it up to download mm-hmm. automatically. That helps us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it with your parents when you're home for Christmas this mm-hmm. year. I'm stealing that idea from Pardon My Take. I think it worked out for them. They're the number one sports pa- podcast in the world. So well behind Locked On Lakers, but yeah. Well, no, but I mean like numerically, <laughs> like like in terms. Of oh, downloads. not not in our hearts. Yeah, not in our hearts. In oh. our hearts, it's obviously this show. Um, <laughs> And then Laker Film Room podcast after that. So, um, man, it's like only only Wednesdays and Fridays of Locked On Lakers. (laughs) Yeah, just the days that Pete is on. Yeah, are the only ones I listen to. So. And then I guess like also what else can you do for us? Like I don't know, take your siblings' phones when you're home for Thanksgiving or home for Christmas. Yeah, Monica, I think whatever. that's all. That's you know, all. just subscribe on as many devices as you can. Send us like videos of yourself like mm-hmm. t- stealing your loved ones like devices and subscribing to the show. We appreciate that. If you're going to we mention never condone theft though. If you're so. going to mention Christian in the iTunes reviews, only do so by calling him Lonzo Wire. Yes. That is that's, that's what Geeter and Anthony and I have decided is his new name. Yeah. So he's Lonzo, first name Lonzo, last name Wire. Yep. That'll do it. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>